Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 40, the 4-0 show here at the SCO Show. My name is Mark Schofield, and episode 40 is, yes, a glorious victory edition. After a long wait, after a long bye week, the New England Patriots facing a team that was desperate for a win, a team that needed a W. They go into Philadelphia, they pull out a win 17-10 on the road to get to 9-1. and So episode 40 is a glorious victory edition. We're excited to have another glorious victory edition. Excited to be back in the win column. As we do on these shows, we're going to have the great, the good, and the bad. Some game balls, the take of the game from the SCO Show Slack channel. Just nice to be able to talk about a W. But before we do all of that, your usual reminders as we do at the outset of all of these shows. Please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, the Gopher Report, our Gophers, they fell to Iowa, undefeated season dreams, no longer alive, but they're still in the thick of it in the Big Ten West, so you can check out the work over there. And of course, the trio of SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and of course, right here at Pat's Pulpit. Let's start with the great stuff. And I think As we have so many times this season, we have to start on the defensive side of the ball. And maybe we didn't think we'd start there. After all, Patriots go down 10-0 early on the road. You're probably not thinking this is going to be a a good game. A lot of people were probably having Baltimore flashbacks. But the defense got so much better as this game went on. It's almost hysterical to think about. Because after going down 10-0, you give up a field goal on the opening drive, which was aided by a pass interference call. That was really the big play on that drive. Then you force a three and out, but then you give up the 16-play, 95-yard touchdown drive. That's when a lot of us were having flashbacks to Baltimore, I bet. After that drive, here's what the Eagles did on offense from a drive-to-drive basis. Three plays, minus seven yards, and a punt. Two plays, minus six yards, and a fumble. Five plays, 21 yards, and a punt. Now we're into the third quarter. Three plays, six yards, and a punt. Five plays, five yards, and a punt. Three plays, two yards, and a punt. Five plays, 19 yards, and a punt. Four plays, 27 yards, and a punt. 11 plays, 68 yards, and a turnover on downs. And finally, three plays, 30 yards, and a Hail Mary that comes up incomplete. That's it. 
That's tremendous from this defense. And it was a mixture of factors that played into this from watching this game live. You started to see some pressure. You started to see them get to Wentz a little bit. We started to see some hesitation from Wentz. Talked about that going into this week. There were some times when he held on to the ball too long. He was decisive on the touchdown throw. Really pulled the trigger there on that throw. But there were a lot of times when he was really slow with his reads. A lot of times during that game where you saw Wentz double clutch on throws that might have been there. So that played a role as well. The secondary started to really feel, I think, their route combinations and what they were doing. Stephon Gilmore had a pretty good job in front of him, big task in covering Zach Ertz, and he talked about that in the locker room. I tweeted out, I retweeted a tweet from Evan Lazar who asked Gilmore about the assignment of covering Zach Ertz, and he said the plan going into this game was to cover Ertz on third downs. And he felt that he have to, he had to slow himself down. He often played a little bit off, let Air Ertz have a step, and then click and close and drive downhill on him. So that was impressive. Ertz, he got his catches, but they held him largely in check, kept him out of the end zone. I think some other players that played fantastic for this defense, Danny Shelton, I thought he played a tremendous game. We're going to highlight some of his individual plays in a few minutes, but I thought he was impressive in the interior, got some push, got some penetration. I think he had a very big game for the New England Patriots in the interior of their defensive front. I mean, when you look at the numbers, as a team, Philadelphia, 21 carries for 81 yards, and 17 of those were from Wentz. Not that New England ran the ball much better, but they did a very good job stopping the run. And we were worried about their 12 personnel package coming into this game. I was worried about some of their cutback stuff more with Jordan Howard. But I don't know if you noticed this. Did you see on Miles Sanders, two of his first runs, his big runs in that game, came when he hit that cutback lane. The Patriots did a better job going forward after those you know, two scoring drives of setting the edge. Which brings us to our next guy, John Simon. I mentioned in the Scotia Slack channel that I was going to buy a 55 jersey after this game was over. Or if any of you out there, mom and dad, are thinking about holiday gift ideas for your boy, a John Simon jersey might be on the list. I thought Simon had another incredibly disciplined game on the edge. There were a number of times when they either ran zone read looks to his side or they went boot action with Wentz rolling to his side, and he did a great job at staying home and either keeping Wentz in the pocket or forcing him to make a throw. I thought Simon was incredibly disciplined in this game. Adam Butler had a very good game in the interior, also had what could have been a pivotal interception late in this game, but he had a very good game in this interior. And when you look at some of the bigger plays in this game, it was the interior of that Patriots defense, specifically Danny Shelton with the sack on Wentz, forcing the fumble, recovered by Guy. And Guy, for he also had a very good game for this Patriots defensive front. And so we start the great segment of a glorious victory episode where we've started so many of these before, pumping up the defense. Again, after a bit of a slow start, you give up the 10 points. They've basically shut down this offense. Now, Philly, for their part, they were hampered a bit by some injuries. I don't think Wentz played as good a game as he could have. Aguilar had a drop on what would have been a tough catch, but you have a chance to tie the game late. and goes through your fingertips. I'm sure people are going to be catching babies and dunking on Ertz 
in the streets of Philadelphia this weekend, this night. So it's if you're an Eagles fan, this is probably a, a tough one to sit through. In terms of the Patriots' defense, the last point I want to mention is this. We, we see so much, we, we talk so much about what they're going to do schematically, but so often, more often than not, they just do what they want to do. And on the biggest play of the game, the fourth down throw to Aguilar, what do they do? They do what they want to do. They go zero blitz, and they basically say, Carson Wentz, we're putting the game in your hands, and we don't think you're going to beat us. We're going to treat you like we treated guys like Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield and some of the other you know, second young quarterbacks, second-year quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that we faced this year. We're going to treat you like Sam Darnold because we don't think you can beat us. And I was on, I, I made a return, a, I don't want to say a triumphant return, but a return to the Locked On Patriots podcast with Mike DeBate, who's doing a great job filling my shoes over there, doing a great job hosting that show. When I was on with him Friday, he asked me sort of the Patriots defensive game plan, and I said, they're going to do what they do, and they're in a sense going to put this in Carson Wentz's hands and say, look, we're going to make you beat us. We're going to try to take away the run. We're going to put this game in your hands. We're going to make you beat us. And that's what they did in the game's pivotal play. They went zero blitz. They brought pressure, and they said, can you make the big throw? And maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but the end result was incomplete Patriots ball. And so that's some of the great stuff from the defense. I can't get out of this segment without mentioning Jake Bailey and Matthew Slater because we're going to return to Jake Bailey in a moment, but the field position battle in this game was critical, particularly with the wind. And if you look... Bottom line numbers on Jake Bailey don't tell the whole story, but we can start there. And Jake Bailey against the Philadelphia Eagles. He punted the ball eight times for 381 yards. Six of those downed inside the 20 and a lawn of 55. But there's more to it than that. There's the punts that were inside the five. There's the hang time on punts. There's the punt before Philadelphia's final drive that had hang time and got some roll to it and allowed them to bleed a little bit more clock. He missed a couple of punts, had a couple go off of his foot a little bit and probably kept the average down. But another tremendous performance from Jake Bailey. And when you start thinking about Patriots Rookie of the Year and things like that, Jake Bailey's probably in contention. Yes, we saw Nikhil Harry today and Chase Winovich has done some nice things. Jacoby Myers is, again, we believe in the Tom Brady circle of trust, although maybe on the outside now. Had a route commu- miscommunication with Brady in the second half of this game. But Jake Bailey, tremendous. And, of course, Matthew Slater down there covering punts for the New England Patriots. Just a huge part of this win. So that's the great. Up next, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the game balls, the take of the game, and more. That's all ahead on a glorious victory installment of the SCO Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 40 of the Scho Show, another glorious victory edition. The New England Patriots get into 9-1, and and I sort of want to talk big picture there for a second. You get to 9-1, and and it's great. But as Dave Archibald pointed out in the Scho Show Slack channel, 
This was their fifth win on the road this year. They're 5-1 on the road. Last year, they finished at 3-5 and five on the road. And it was part of the reason that many of us, myself included, wondered if they could go into Arrowhead in an AFC Championship game and win a game on the road. Now, when you go 3-5 and five on the road, you lose teams to teams like Tennessee and Miami and Pittsburgh, teams that were at home watching the playoffs. You do wonder if you can go in and win a road game. This was an important win in the sense that they could go on the road now and beat a good team, a team that was in desperate need of a win, a team that was also coming off of a bye. And so while the Patriots are still in the driver's seat right now for home field advantage, this is a nice win to have. And it's also nice to have that 5-1 and one road record right now. You've got road games left with Houston and Cincinnati. Absolute worst case scenario, you're 5-3 and three on the road this year, which is a much different story as opposed to last year when, again, you were 3-5 and five with some ugly losses on the road. But again, Houston and Cincinnati, I think worst case scenario, they split those. Let's be honest. Bengals aren't good right now. And Baltimore just obliterated Houston. So I think the Patriots can probably win that Houston game, although Deshaun Watson will pose them some problems. And so they could go realistically 7-1 and one on the road this year, which is a tremendous, tremendous thing to think about. And that also brings in the fact this. Your remaining home games, you've got the Cowboys coming up this week. You've got the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Bills. Now, Bills game, you know, will have some importance to it. But you start looking at the schedule, you start seeing pieces fall together. That's why this win, while it was ugly, it was an important one. And so I did want to sort of start big picture. Let's look at the offense because there are some things that I want to mention here. The tempo game. I think that was another piece to the puzzle that we saw unfold and sort of fit into place for the Patriots tonight. Now, the offense wasn't spectacular, but they did enough. And the tempo game played a big part of that. They struggled running the ball at times. They struggled throwing the ball at times. They struggled protecting Tom Brady at times. But when they could sort of get into rhythm and get that tempo game working, they started to wear down that defensive front a bit. And I think going forward... As I said last week, as I wrote about last week, this really might be their offensive identity, this sort of tempo approach. And you've got some good contributions from guys here and there. You saw a little bit from Nikhil Harry. You saw Mohamed Sanu a little bit. I think Sony Michelle, while he didn't have a spectacular game by any stretch, he had some big runs for this offense. And so while you look at it, 10 carries for 33 yards with a lawn of 12, it's not great, but that lawn of 12 is a big one late in this game. And he showed some ability to get to the edge and then a nice cutback with some vision and awareness for the situation. And so there were some good things to take from this offense. Brady's pocket movement remains something to study. You know, every offseason when I get a chance to just sit down and watch what works from a quarterback perspective to try to sort of recalibrate my frame of mind for scouting in the season ahead, I always make an effort to rewatch some Brady pocket movement. There's, there's few people that do it better. And you had some of the duck plays where he's ducking under defenders and he's extending plays. They moved him out of the pocket a couple of times, which I thought was really a creative way to handle the difficulties in protecting him that the Patriots are facing right now. I like the idea of moving Tom Brady, getting that pocket moved a bit, changing the launch point, because not only does it sort of you know, change what the offense is doing, it changes the defense and what they're doing. You know, you're expecting Tom Brady to be your aim and spot against Tom Brady is going to be seven to eight yards behind the center on almost every single snap, right? Well, if they do it just a couple of times 
and move him around a bit, maybe you're a little bit hesitant. Maybe you don't get off the ball as quickly enough. Maybe your angle has changed a little bit as a pass rusher. And so I liked doing that. And obviously, look, they flush him to his right to A, get him to his dominant throwing hand, and B, yeah, get him away from Marshall Newhouse. And so I liked moving him around a little bit. The Julian Edelman touchdown pass, I, I thought it was a great play call at that moment. Great design, great execution, tough catch by Dorsett, gets popped, didn't return after that, get a hit to the head, but a, obviously a huge play for this offense. And it leads us to the Josh McDaniels question, because I know that there, ha- there was some frustration in the Slack channel. Mr. Pank was frustrated with some of the play call and didn't like the third down late in the game when they moved Brady out of the pocket and threw to White in the flat. They got him matched up against the linebacker. And maybe that wasn't the best play call. And there were other play calls you can certainly, you know, have issues with. But I think the Dorsett-Edelman connection, that was a great job. And Belichick mentioned this in his post-game comments of, you know, McDaniel's doing a great job of setting plays up, coming to trick plays at the right moment. They had the earlier double pass, you know, with Brady looking for Dorsett deep down the field. You know, so they were setting things up. They had an end around to Benjamin Watson. I mean, to Sanu, excuse me. They had a tight end screen to Benjamin Watson. So McDaniels was doing some different things, trying some different things. You're never going to hit on every single call as an offensive coordinator. And so there are always some that we can look at and say, look, this was a bad one. And maybe that third down, like Mr. Pink pointed out, was a bad play call. But I think, by and large, McDaniels had a pretty good game you know, for the Patriots tonight. As a team, I think it was Matt St. John that pointed this out in the Slack channel. Winning that middle eight, right? The double dip, you know, end of the second quarter, start of the third quarter, whatever you want to call it. The Patriots did it. They failed to do it against Baltimore, even though they had the chance to. You had the kick in the field goal before halftime, which maybe in hindsight was the bad move. You have the Edelman scoop and score, the fumble there, which obviously puts you behind the eight ball again. So they couldn't win that middle eight of the game. But they won it tonight. And winning that middle eight is what won them this game. You know, because if they ended up, you know, getting kept out of the end zone or they don't have a touchdown drive at the start of the second half or whatever, you know, and this game ends up being sort of a 10-9 game, Philly with the lead going into the fourth corner, it looks a lot different. But winning that middle eight was critical for this team and they were able to get the job done, played a huge part of the win. And finally with Brady, we mentioned the pocket movement, but I wanted to circle back to him because... If you've been on Twitter this afternoon, this evening, in the wake of this game, you've probably seen his stint at the podium where he didn't seem happy. He said he was tired after playing for three hours, which is unbrady-like. You almost wonder if he's battling an illness or something. Scott Zolak tweeted out, I'd stay away from the quarterback this week. It seems like there's a bit of an inner fire with Brady whether it's frustration with the offense as a whole, frustration with his level of play, getting beat up a bit, whatever. He seems to be a little bit fired up, I'd say. Sort of a slow boil. And I saw somebody else say on Twitter, I wouldn't want to be the Dallas Cowboys right now because now you get to go to Gillette and contend with Tom Brady. And let's I made a big point of this last season over on Locked on Patriots. But as that calendar flips from November to December, which it's going to do in, you know, 10 days or so, 13 days or so, Patriots 67-15 and 15 during the Brady-Berlicek era. 
for a winning percentage of 817. And that number actually ticks up when it's just the Brady games. They're 61 and 13 in games in which Tom Brady has played in the month of December. And so when you look at the schedule, you've got one more game left in the month of November, that home game against the Cowboys, and then you get into the final stretch. It does look pretty good. An ugly win is still a win. And so to think big picture of it that way, you got to be excited about that. And so that's some of the good stuff I did want to mention. I'll quickly try to highlight a couple of individual plays. Philly's first drive, they tried to go with a wheel route to Miles Sanders, something I was worried about trying to get him matched up on the linebackers. Kyle Van Noy with very good coverage there. Hey, give it up for a Landon Roberts fullback. He got a lot of run at the fullback spot. And he seemed to comport himself pretty well. You're going to have to look at that on the All-22, but it seemed like Roberts had a pretty good gig as the fullback. I mentioned sprinting Brady out. Philly's third drive of the game. This was the long touchdown drive, but first play of that, though, was an inside give. Danny Shelton with a tremendous stop there. I thought, you know, Jonathan Jones ripped that out. It looked like it was going to be an interception, but great effort by them, by him there. On the second and goal play, this is one of those John Simon plays where he's so disciplined on the edge, he forces Wentz to stay in the pocket on this boot action, and there's you know, forced to throw it in completion. So that was a good play at that moment. And you got Nikhil Harry involved in the Patriots in suing possession. It's good to see the rookie getting some run. Slant to Edelman, uh, New England's fourth drive of the game. It's 10-3 Philly at this point. It's a third and seven. They go empty. You go slant flat. Again, this is what I highlighted in that Pat's pulpit piece recently. Slant flat was one of the route concepts that they ran in sort of that tempo stretch against Baltimore, and you saw it there. Sonny Michelle followed that up with a great run to the right edge, and then Burkhead on the next play on a second and two. Tremendous cut in the backfield. Good sort of pocket movement by him. I mean, not pocket movement, change of direction from him. I thought that was a huge play. Let's see. Opening possession of the second of the third quarter, excuse me, it's 10-9 Philly. The Burkhead catch and run on that screen, the first and 10 where he's hit in the backfield by Gary Sheds that, and it was a great job by Brady on that screen, which was snuffed out, but he shovels it late. That was a very good play by Brady, even better by Rex Burkhead to break that tackle. Huge catch and run there. The double pass touchdown. And then I like the two-point conversion. You sort of spread him out a bit. You bring motion, so Brady knows it's zone coverage. You hand it off inside. Great run there by James White. Philly's seventh drive of the game. Look, you've got to go three and out here, right? You've just taken the lead. You got the two-point conversion. You've got the touchdown lead. You got to get them three and out, right? First play, inside give. Shelton with a great penetration and stop on Miles Sanders. Then they go play action, tries to throw a crosser to Dallas Goddard. It's a great throw, but he can't make the catch. Third and 10, they go empty. Slant to Jordan Matthews. He stops short. The Boo Birds are out, and you're forcing them to punt. So that was a huge play. Now New England goes three and out, which you don't like to see, but... On the next possession, Brooks with a good tackle on Ertz. And again, Simon stays home, you know, forces him. Because they're going a little zone read type look, and they're going to try to roll Wentz to the left. If he can run, if he has the edge, he's going to take it. Simon stays home, forces him to make the throw. Brooks with a pretty good tackle on Ertz. Next play, Simon with some active hands. He gets a deflection. Unfortunately, you get a penalty on Dietrich Wise for illegal hands. But again, John Simon, very tremendous game. You get the high tower sack where he beats Vitae with a stutter move. That was a huge play. You know, the big punt from uh, Bailey at the end of New England's eighth drive. That was a huge play at that moment. Um, it seemed like McDaniels was a little angry after that drive, but it happens. 
Some other plays. Oh, um, very last play of the third quarter on Philly's 10th drive of the game. They tried to go wide zone. Lawrence Guy with a great stop for no gain. That was a huge play. Um, the third and six dart to Jacoby Myers from Brady. That was a big catch. They motion into a sort of stack situation. Dart to Jacoby Myers. That was a really nice throw by Brady. Really good catch by Jacoby Myers to keep moving the chains there. Um, let's see. New England's 11th drive of the game. We're in the fourth quarter. This is where you would love to have that sort of six-minute drive to salt this game away. You're starting on your own, too. They come out. They're throwing right away. Edelman for five yards on an out route. Then you get that run from Michelle, which I mentioned earlier. Good cut. Great run to the edge. Cannon gets a good block there as well. And then you get the play action where it's tipped but still caught by Edelman. Those are some big plays. Uh, the Butler deflection, I mentioned that. So that will do it for some of the good. As far as the bad and the ugly, look, left tackle remains an issue for this team. Newhouse, it is still an issue. They're struggling to protect Brady. They're doing so much in terms of screens and quick throws. They don't really feel comfortable, I think, just going straight drop back stuff. And so until Isaiah Wynn gets back, that's going to remain an issue. Hopefully Wynn is back next week. The offense generally, I think, is somewhat underwhelming right now. They're winning ugly, but they're winning. And remember how we felt about this team last year after that Buffalo game in Week 16. We didn't know if it was going to be good enough to get it done. Well, they can't overcame that, so they can do it again, I think. But look, a win is a win is a win. An ugly win is still an ugly win. You don't get style points in the National Football League, so we'll take it, especially given where we were two weeks ago right now. As far as game balls, I think you got to start with special teams. Jake Bailey, Matthew Slater, they get some game balls. Everybody on the defense gets a game ball from coaching staff on down. I thought everybody on the defensive side was great. And I'm going to give some offensive ones. I know the offense wasn't great, but Edelman and Dorsett, huge play at that moment. So we're going to give some game balls to them as well. As far as our take of the game from the Slack channel, going to tweak it a little bit this week. A self-imposed exile of the game. How about that? Because... I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, at 7.01, when this game was largely still in question, largely still in doubt, you don't want to frustrate the football gods. But at that point, our great friend John Limarakis, who's a, a rock in the Scotia Slack channel, think the world of John for everything he does in the Scotia Slack channel. He's been on with me before over at Lockdown Patriots. Maybe we'll get him back, a little pre-draft coverage. But at 7.01, John drops a message saying, I haven't texted my brother all night. He's a diehard Eagles fan. I might have to now. And absolutely not was basically the consensus. You cannot upset the football gods at that point. To which John responded, to make amends, I am going chat silent for the rest of the game for the bad idea. I, for the record, did not text him though. And then we did not hear from John until the game was over. So for his self-imposed exile and his bit of penance, to the football gods. We recognize John Lemarakis for the silence of the game. Now that will do it for episode 40 of the Scotia. I will be back on Wednesday sort of recapping this game and starting to peek ahead to the Dallas Cowboys. We'll get some Cowboys writers on as well to talk about that game. Working through the guest list this week, so there will be more news on that later. But until friend, until we meet again, friends, please do keep on blessing that. Which means rain. Out in Foxborough.